hey, do you have a moment? Can we, can we just talk? Yeah, just, just, this will just take five minutes. So I notice you have been working so hard and oh, wow, you get so much done. You work your teams really hard. You get the results, but do you mind some feedback? Okay, great. Thank you. You don't have to do this alone. (laughs) You know, I know you have been amazing what you've done for so many years. You have honed your craft. You've led amazing teams and you have gotten the results. But I wonder, how do you feel right now? Yeah, I kind of thought that you're tired. You haven't seen your family. You see it in the people that work with you. I wonder, have you taken some time off? Have you paused and reflected a little bit? Do you have everything you need to be successful? Uh, You know, do you think you can just spend some time thinking about that? Okay, great. (laughs) I just wanted to know if you were open to the idea that you don't have to do it alone. Because you know what? Being a leader at the top, it is a lonely place. But you know what? You will be a celebrated leader. If you simply acknowledge that what you did in the past is not going to serve you that much going forward. Hey, I know I've been there. I am one of those kids that grew up and says, don't tell me what to do. I can do this. (laughs) You know, and we celebrate that independence, but really think about it. Don't do it alone. Surround yourself with amazing people that can see you and see the work that you're doing, give you affirmation for what you should keep doing. But then maybe there's things you change because what got you here is not going to get you to where you need to be in the future. And I've gained such wisdom on my own, but I have really, really appreciated the value of the network. Shout out to Jeremy now for introducing me to David Phelps, Dr. David Phelps, an amazing leader doing amazing things to help others have a more successful journey. Let's listen. When someone is going through a shift or the vacuum or adversity that opens up a door, the tendency is to, to be afraid and think, well, I've got to get through this quickly. And I've got to get back to doing, doing, doing. And if you can build a little bit of capacity there so you don't have to do that. The key thing for me, Deborah, was not to try to figure this out solo. I realized many years ago that surrounding myself with other people, not just in my own industry, like dentistry, well, that's like continuing education. That's the technical skills. That's important. I'm talking about people in other businesses that help us as leaders, as evolving leaders, always evolving leaders, whether we're owners, CEOs, or senior management, is we need to be around other people with diversity because we can't see what we can't see. It's not like I just had this epiphany all of a sudden, oh, I can do this. No, I had to have other people actually look over my shoulders and help me arrange those puzzle pieces in ways I had not really figured out. So my key to people, if you're thinking about change or what else could I do or who am I really, there's a lot to you. You need other people with outside eyes to help you do that because I don't think we can do it very well ourselves. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. 
Hello, my name is Deb Covey-Eller, founder of Illumination Partners, and I am grateful that you've joined us for another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I am grateful to speak with amazing leaders, authors, speakers week after week and bring their insights to you. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, so we can continue to bring you great programming. And today... I am honored to share the mic with my fantastic guest, Dr. David Phelps. David is a nationally recognized speaker on creating freedom, building real businesses, and investing in real estate. He helps other logical, rational professionals become dreamers, then strategically manifest those dreams into freedom. And under his leadership, the Freedom Founders Mastermind community grows especially exponentially year by year, providing the pathway to freedom for many professional practice owners. He is the author of Own Your Freedom. I can't wait to dive into this conversation. Welcome to the show. Deborah, thank you so much for having me. Well, I am grateful for this and shout out to Jeremy, who has graciously introduced us as just a person that is really, really making a difference. I particularly like the work that you do in freedom and peace of mind. That is something that I think we all aspire to. And while we work hard every day and do our best to do well by our family, our community, and our careers, I think sometimes we lose sight of what we're really after, and that's freedom. So I can't wait for you to share something about yourself personally, your career path, and the work that you're doing now. Excellent. Well, Deborah, I started out as a young man in a family with two other siblings, myself and my two sisters in a family that was a very solid middle-class family. And what I appreciate looking back at that time was that our parents didn't give us things that we wanted. We got the necessities, the roof over our head, food on the table, clothes to wear. But if I wanted something extra, and I'm talking about in my uh, my early teen years, if I wanted a better bicycle than the one-speeder that clunker that I had, or if I wanted a better tennis racket because I love playing tennis, I had to figure out a way to earn that I got odd jobs. I sold greeting cards. I mowed lawns. I threw newspapers, the things that young entrepreneurs would do to, again, have a sense of freedom. That was my first look at freedom. Now, I wasn't leaving the house. (laughs) I wasn't going out on my own at that age, but I wanted within the household, I wanted some independent freedom. And I realized I had to do something to obtain that. My parents would not give that to me. Then I chose the path of safety, security, and stability. Well, what's that mean? That means I continue my academic elevation past high school on to college and then another four years in dental school because that seemed to me to be what society says and teachers and people said, well, if you can become a professional and have a professional career, you'll always have security. Well, I found out that that's not always the case, but I went down that road, but I didn't lose my entrepreneurial spirit. Even before I became a dentist, I started reading books about how to be a better steward of one's money. That, you know, being an investor, I didn't know how to do that. I know how to make money. I learned how to do that. And I waited tables through college and through dental school. So I knew how to make money. I was never afraid of doing the work, but like, how could I be a better steward and actually take money someday I would earn and make that money work for me to therefore give me more peace of mind and what I call multiple streams of income. So you're not dependent upon just one. So fast forward, I bought a rental property while I was in dental school. My father helped me with that. He was the financier, but I learned what an asset could do that could produce income when I didn't have to be there day after day to actually trade time for the dollars. So I took that insight along with my credentials in dentistry and I ran both parallel. Now, I didn't have any children. My wife and I didn't have any children for nine years. We both had careers. So that gave me extra time to do that. 
as I went down the road, we have one child, Jenna. Jenna's now almost 30 years old. Can't believe it. But when she was two and a half years old, she was diagnosed with high-risk leukemia. Anybody listening who has gone through that themselves, family member, loved one, personal friend, knows that any type of chronic illness, potentially terminal, upends your life. It just changes everything. Everything you thought you knew about being steady and persevere, yeah, you have to do that. But but now you've got a new focal point and all these other things that you thought were important, like building the business and building more financial security and higher revenues and all those things that we drive for, they become very secondary, in fact, tertiary, because now you have a focal point that changes. So it changed me quite a bit, but not enough. Not enough. Now, Jenna got through the cancer. Unfortunately, the marriage to her wonderful mother, her advocate mother did not. And you can tell that I'm very appreciative. We co-parented, but her mother really was the one I think carried her through those tough times at the hospital with doctors because where was I? Well, out there creating financial security. I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I'm saying retrospect, could I have done things differently? Absolutely. We all can look back in life. So it's not a pity party. It's not a regretful statement. It's just saying I learned a lot through the challenges. And fortunately, my daughter, as you already know, I already mentioned, you know, she survived all this. Age 12, she's an end-stage liver failure. I'm thinking, here we go again. Why me? Life's not fair. So again, we're back to figuring out how to get through the medical challenge. And again, you know, she made it, but it was very, very difficult to get through. Deborah, when I was in the hospital with my daughter, when she was post-transplant, you don't get a liver transplant and two days later, you're out of the hospital. It was a long, lengthy, many complications. She's there, actually there for months, in and out somewhat, but had to have an apartment close by the medical complex. So I'm back and forth in my practice. Finding out some things, which I'll talk about later, some things that I never believed were true about how I was, quote, running or managing my practice back in the day. Many things I learned to to be different. Getting through that, I'll tell you a little bit of the stories. I, I sold my practice. I sold it twice. We can come back to that one. But I sold it because I made a decision that all this work and effort and trading time for dollars and having this practice and, and doing all the things I thought were the right things to do as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as a father, as a husband, that those are things I, I should do. But, but I realized that that wasn't serving the people that I want to serve. So I sold the practice. Now, I did have the extra multiple lines of income from real estate. That was a blessing that I started early in life, as I said. What I did is I, I sold the practice so I could spend time with my daughter. That gave me a void period, a kind of a vacuum, which I'd never really had probably in all the years as I was going through and ascending that mountain to greater things and more education. I really never took any time off to stop and think and consider what could be next. And so along with spending time with my daughter, which was very important to me, I also had space and time. So that's where what today is is the Freedom Founders community evolved some 11 years ago, very organically, because I had space, I had time, I had a chance to say, well, what's my real purpose here? What else can I do with the experiences I have, skill sets, education, if you will, but really connections and people I've met, what can I do with that that could be different and still serve in a way that I felt purposeful and would give me significance and energy? But also, key thing is the freedom. I didn't want to ever go back and be chained to a regular school where I had very little flexibility at all. And if I tried to leave, I felt guilty. Guilty I'm leaving my team, my staff, my patients, because I have higher, well, for me, higher needs. They had their needs. And so I'm in this position of always feeling conflicted. And I didn't like that. So that's my, my quick backstory. I threw a lot out there for you. I'll let you just pick up what you want to, and we can go deeper in any, any topic that you feel is relevant, Deborah. Well, 
I really thank you for all of that sharing and being an open book. I think there are so many lessons that we can learn from all of those things. There are a few things that I pick up in here and it's more just empathy, but the feeling of feeling guilty of just going through all of that, not spending enough time here, not being enough to others. One thing you got me thinking about is often they talk about women feeling torn between career and taking care of children and elders, et cetera. But you know what? We need to be careful of that narrative. And while potentially there is a higher percentage there, men experience it as well. Your wife at the time, your partner, whoever you were sharing this with, we all share this time of guilt. And who are we? Can we be enough for everybody? And then there's very little to be enough for ourselves. So appreciate that. And But one thing that you say that really resonates with my brand is that you talk about having that vacuum. And while vacuum under adverse situations, it could be the loss of a job, the loss of a loved one. It's also then the opportunity to be able to pause and reflect. Because if we never give ourselves that time and space, either mourn, think, wonder, or say what is possible, we never really realize our true potential. So I thank you for also sharing that with the listeners. But if I may, through that time, that vacuum, that space where you were able to think about the purposeful work, tell me more how you got into the work with Freedom. My current wife, Candace, was with me after Jenna went through the transplant, but she's very loving with Jenna as well. And we had gone through a period of time in about 10 years ago when Jenna had a rejection issue with the liver. She was about six months post-transplant. And she's back in the hospital, back at the medical center where she had originally had the transplant some six years prior, dealing with a very serious rejection. I mean, it was like the doctors could not figure it out. Now, grace of God, I truly believe, again, she made it through. It was during that time that year and realizing that Jenna has now one more time escaped the serious medical dangers. And Candace said, we need to send out a Christmas letter. We've been so busy with all these things, David. We just haven't done anything. We need to just let people know where things are. So she wrote a really nice letter and talked about Jenna's recovery and how it was a blessing. And a postscript, she just said, kind of, a, oh, by the way, David sold his practice. Nothing more. Well, that incited some calls and questions from friends, colleagues, not just in dentistry, but in, in other areas. And the question to me wasn't, David, how could you think about getting out of what you spent all this time investing in your career, your practice? They understood why I did it because of Jenna. That made sense. But really the question was, how could you do it financially? And so that opened the door and I kept my career and my real estate separate. I never co-mingled those. I didn't have a dental practice where people were bringing rents in. That would be not a good fit. So only my good friends knew that I had this other side to me. And so when people ask, they ask, well, could you show me how? And I said, well, certainly I could show you how. I could teach you what I did. But I realized that when I was doing this back when I was young, I was in my 20s, in my early 30s, and I didn't even have any children at that point. You're a stage in life where your time value is not going to be the same as mine was back then. So instead of me just teaching you, why don't we do it collaboratively? And if you would like to be a capital or a private investor in some of the opportunities that I have because of my connections, let's do that. And then not only can you learn what I'm doing, because you can piggyback and, and I'll show you what I'm doing, but you can earn at the same time. So earn and learn made sense. And so I had a, a handful, just a handful, Deborah, that we did that with. Well, the word starts getting out and more people would come and say, hey, could you show me? And I started thinking, well, wait a minute. I don't want to start being a real estate operator. I just, I love what I do, but I don't want to be an operator. How can I help fulfill what I'm showing this handful of people? So I 
just create a very organic small group. And I said, let's just meet. So it was a handful of the doctors and a few of their friends that wanted to come. And I thought, I've got real estate friends that do this for, at that point, 30 some years. I had people that were boots on the ground and had operations in real estate. I thought, why don't I bring them together in a small group and I'll translate and show them how each one has needs and goals and how the two together can work together because it's, it's all about joint ventures and collaboration. I mean, so what the, how the world works today. It's just sometimes someone needs to get be the go-between. You do that in so many respects. Why can't I do that for this group of people? And so that's where it started. And it just grew. And I love it today because I get to do what I love to do, but I don't have to be the operator and all these things, which typically that's what I do. Like, well, David, if you're going to do this, you got to go to this, you got to build this and this. No, I don't need to build all that. Other people have already built. I can just create the connections and create the energy and the synergy to allow this to happen. So that's how Freedom Founders came into place a little over a decade ago. So what's really validating for me in there is that we all have our pedigree. We all have our technical skills. We learn these things over the years. But then when somebody says, oh, how'd you do that? And you say, oh, shucks, that was nothing. But the thing is, is you've got 30 or 40 years invested in learning and understanding the failures, the successes, and a recipe that worked for you over time, but could others benefit from bits and pieces, ingredients from that recipe? And so I think there's something really great about even like in my brand, I, over the years in operations, manufacturing, quality, running operations, et cetera, I have learned my recipe and I have put it in the CEO's compass, your guide to get back on track, my book. And it's not for everybody, but I do believe there are insights in there that can help a senior leader who is amazingly talented get back on track. So everybody has something that they can offer for others and potentially gain freedom. Oh, no, no. I love our conversation because we're so aligned. So I will tell you that when someone is going through a shift or the vacuum or adversity that opens up a door, the tendency is to to be afraid and think, well, I've got to get through this quickly. I've got to get back to doing, doing, doing. And if you can build a little bit of capacity there so you don't have to do that. The key thing for me, Deborah, was not to try to figure this out solo. I realized many years ago that surrounding myself with other people, not just in my my own industry, like dentistry, well, that's like continuing education. That's the technical skills. That, that's important. I'm talking about people in other businesses that help us as leaders, as evolving leaders, always evolving leaders, whether we're owners, CEOs, or senior management, is we need to be around other people with diversity because we can't see what we can't see. It's not like I just had this epiphany all of a sudden, oh, I can do this. No, I had to have other people actually look over my shoulders and help me arrange those puzzle pieces in ways I had not really figured out. So my key to people, if you're thinking about a change or what else could I do or who am I really, there's a lot to you. I'm talking to our listeners today. There's a lot to you. You need other people with outside eyes to help you do that because I don't think we can do it very well ourselves. So just a quick question, and then I want to dive a little bit more into the book and some of your talking points. I mean, we have people that are following the path of being in a career, doing their best, climbing up and having that security, but not having that mental security. They don't feel safe. They don't feel safe to move out. What are some things that you might advise somebody who is in a career? What can they do now to just at least start maybe moving in a direction towards freedom? Our life really focuses around how we think, Deborah. I mean, our mindset or our limiting beliefs, which we all have. I don't care how you grew up, what your involvement was in your life, but we have limiting beliefs based on experiences or what other people have told us. And those limiting beliefs are going to 
constrain us, to put a ceiling, I believe, in our real true potential. We follow the rules and the traditions of whatever career path we've taken. And they're there. They're there. Now, some of them are important, of course, but many of them are just there because, again, they've been passed down or this is just the way you do it when you wear this particular hat. So I think it's very important, even when you're thinking about this, get outside your arena and find other groups. So, you know, there's there's groups like EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, YPO, Vistage, BNI. I mean, there's just a ton out there where you can be with other people because it's very lonely to be a business owner, a CEO entrepreneur, because you're not relating to other people that are your peer group. We need all the other people, but we need someone that we can relate to. And if we don't have that, then we just stay in this cocoon and our thoughts spin in our head and they never are really articulated in a way that we can get good feedback. And that feedback from other people who don't have an agenda on us, but actually just care. And we, we love to support each other and take the ideas that we all have and and mix and match them and ask clarifying questions, that's where the magic happens. So get outside your current environment, find another environment that even on a just a part-time basis you participate in. And there's many that are online if you don't have the ability to go travel. And there's always a starting point. You don't have to wait until I get to there. No, right now, today, there's some place you can go to start this new movement past the inertia that you have. I appreciate that. And I would love to add one more to the list, being a podcast host. Being a podcast host, you get to meet so many different people with similar thoughts as well as alternative thoughts. So obviously, we're having a great conversation. Our listeners are benefiting from it. But I, too, am learning and growing and getting people that potentially can support me if I have a question or have a business issue. So think about being a podcast host, everybody. That's a little pitch. Now back to the show. (laughs) Well, I I, I just have to tag on there, Deborah, because people will think, well, well, I can't do that. I'm not an expert. I No, it's not your job as a, as a host, facilitator, or interviewer to know it all. No, your point is, is you're taking a message through your own desire to learn more and putting it out there. So please don't limit yourself and say, well, I don't have the credentials. No, I don't have credentials for any of the stuff I do today. I got none. I have none. Zero. So I just want to toss that in, Deborah. So please, back to the show. <laughs> and I appreciate that. But let's just talk about somebody or an organization who needed you, who was ready to receive some of the insights from your book, Own Your Freedom or the Freedom Founders Foundation. Tell us more about maybe a story about somebody you have worked with or leveraged it and maybe where did they start? And what was the transformation? Sure. The transformation is what I love. That's what feeds me. In our group and Freedom Founders, because I came from dentistry, we just happen to have preponderance of dentists. Nothing wrong with that. We just connect. But this could be for anybody. So this is not just for dentists, but just one example. And this happens quite often, but there's a couple. They're both dentists, both approaching around 60 years old. They work in the same practice together as co-owners, husband and wife. And she had a disability that doesn't allow her to practice to the level that she could a few years ago, something with hands. She can still do some. So now all the work has fallen on him. They come to Freedom Founders and feeling very stressed out because their financial planner advisor says, you know what? When they ask him, you know, we're in our financial path. Do we have enough to even think about, quote, retiring or selling the practice? And most financial planners, as good as they are, don't really have an answer. It's like, well, if you're still healthy, you should keep working because you need to stack up more. Well, that's not exactly what they want to hear. But again, you've got got to put some logic behind this. You don't just leave. So they come to Freedom Founders where we have a different methodology about cash flow and assets. Don't need to go there. That's not important today. The point is, once we show them, and not just me, 
because I've done it, but we've done it with so many other people. So they have the social proof around them. Gaining the confidence is a key. So it's again, not just holding a carrot up and saying, but we turn their life around. So their practice is actually on the market for sale. Now, even before it sells, the pressure comes off because there's light at the end of the tunnel. And the change in the facial structures, just, just at that meeting, small group meeting that we do these sessions with, it was just amazing. They lightened up and they have a clear path to next. So the transformation in understanding that you're closer than you think, that what you already have done and built up in assets and accumulation is often closer to giving you what you need to make a transition, slow down, baby sell. That's a big thing that we see with a lot of hardworking, very responsible business owners that they never know when they can take their foot off that pedal. There's something really profound I picked up at the very end there that you are closer than you think. When people arrive at this juncture, they put in so many years of dedicated service and building it what it is, whether it's a career, a practice, a business, a CEO of a company that maybe wants to sell or hand the reins to somebody else. You're closer than you think because sometimes from a mindset perspective, if you want to take that leap, you need to do something drastically different to get that freedom. It seems so far and distant in the future that from a mindset perspective, you may actually hold yourself back. But think about all those years of all the work and what you have learned. What are some minor things you could start doing now? And what took you 30, 40 years to get to this point might only be maybe three to five years. So you're closer than you think. I love that. I have to ask you a question. Again, this comes from your works in your book, but I am curious about it is that you talk about in the book, in your talking points, the dangers of groupthink. Define what it is in your world and how it controls our lives. I think there's something really important there. I'd like to know more. Groupthink is, another term for that would be herd mentality. What everybody else thinks. In my world, in dentistry, it's it's what the industry says. This is how you show up. This is who you are. This is how you set up your practice. This is the insurance you should take or not take. This is the way you set up your facility. Look, who says? As long as you're providing high-level ethical care, you get to do it the way you want to. But No, we don't do it that way. We think safety is in numbers. So if I'm not doing it like Dr. Bill, Dr. Bob, Dr. Jane down the street, and we all get together at our trade association meetings, and we all learn the same thing, you've got to differentiate today. And differentiation allows you to live a different path. It's your right. You're an individual. And so that group think is very dangerous across the board in so many arenas. I'll just leave it in our minds as owners and CEOs. Senior management is the ability to be contrarian. It's okay. It's good to do that. And don't feel like you have to just be accepted because you just go along with everybody else says. I think that's a bad way to live life. There's different paths in life. And I think to quote Scott Peck, the road less traveled is I think the one most of us want to be on, right? Because everybody else is going this way. Everybody's going to the big show and the parade. It's like, no, I would like to go on a solo path where it's just me or maybe a closest partner. And that's our path. And I love that. And I sincerely appreciate when they talk about the people taking the path less traveled. We think differently. We're a rebel, as you say, a contrarian. But you know what? While that is then the group think against people that are doing it a little differently, to your point, as long as we don't hurt anybody or do anything unethical, what's wrong with trying to do something different or be differentiator? So again, case in point, yeah, I'm a business consultant. I'm an advisor, but 
I'm the drop-in CEO. And while I may never have had a title in my corporate life as being a CEO, it's that mentality, it's that ability to go in and do your 90-day assessment, see what works within the organization, and identify the opportunities where you can provide services to not only fix a business issue and also elevate the people, but leave a lasting impact. That's what CEOs do. But that's what a business consultant should also be doing. But again, I'm running with it. And you know what? It's interesting. It differentiates my brand from the rest. So don't be afraid to stand out. That's what we need to do. (laughs) This isn't in the question list. But how have you grown as a person? You Again, you have gone through all these changes. You've had your aha, your pivotal moments. Hey, people saying, how did you do that? And then starting to build out these masterminds and then the freedom founders, et cetera. I'm wondering, have you changed in the process? How have you evolved as a leader or person? Well, great question, Deborah. Well, certainly I, I have changed immensely. And I think overall, definitely for the good. It's a maturation. It's, it's again, going from early years where the drive is to build, 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 never knowing how much is enough. That seems to be a constant force out there today. And I can honestly say that, well, yes, I want a company that's profitable. We have to be profitable to carry on the work we do. I'm not driven by the money. I'm driven by the purpose and the transformations that I get to see. And I love having a small enough company and group that I get to be intimate in my engagement with the people we serve. It's not like going out into a big stage and seeing all these people, but not really knowing who they are. It almost happened to me a few years ago and we may have changed because I didn't want that. I wanted to know the people and the stories. You asked me about one story. I can give you those stories because I know the people. It's not just selling some pipe dream and hopefully people can buy some product. And no, I want to know that the impact that I get to have through all the great people that we collaborate with, including my amazing team, that the impact we're having is transformative, starting with our clients, our members, but then that ripple effect, because now that's going to be passed on to their kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, whoever is in their circle of influence that they want to provide the same. And see, that's what I hear. I hear about that. It's not about the money. The money's an important part of it. Getting that right to take away the compression of, do I have enough? We can get there. We can all get there. That's almost a mathematical formula that most people don't know. But the rest of it, the freedom of your time, the freedom of the relationships you get to have and love and put time into your health, which people put off many times because I'll get to that later. I'm too busy right now. And then Maslow's hierarchy, the top of the pyramid is purpose, significance, and meaning. And I think we all, even if we don't really see it, that we want to be there. And that means different things to different people. You don't have to be serving some big group. You can be significant with your family. My goodness, start there and then wherever else you have outreach. But that's where I love to live today. And so, yes, I have definitely evolved over the years from a more of a scarcity mindset, not having enough to there's abundance everywhere. We just have to have that mindset that allows us to help others prosper and empower other people in their own life's work and significance. And so that's why I'm grateful for these introductions and also these opportunities to glean your insights. It validates what I'm feeling and the transformation I have gone through from being in corporate, really appreciating the opportunities and financial ways that I've received from a corporate life, but then also how can I help others? Because ultimately I will and have and do have enough and the rest I feel wonderful for the work that we're doing. So as we start bringing this to a close, and I know you have so many insights to share with senior leaders that are taking their companies through transformation. They want to be free ultimately, anybody, wherever they are at in their career. Are there any last thoughts that you may want to share with people, things they can maybe even do now? And then let's bring this to a close and how people can connect with you. 
Yeah. So reiterating what I said before, but again, I think it's so important because again, people think that, well, I can't make a change now because I need to wait until I get this done or I have this extra education or whatever. Change your environment just a touch. That doesn't mean getting out of your current field. doesn't mean selling your business. I'm saying change your environment, meaning you need to go outside and find that other group of people. It could be two or three people. It could be some of the other organizations that are already there in place in most major cities that provide a platform for your people, who you are, to be there and have a safe place where you can talk about and be vulnerable about the things that are stressing you out because we kind of feel like we have to look the part to everybody else. It's all good. It's all good. I got this. And when inside, we know so much of the time we have questions. So learning to be a good leader just requires constantly investing in yourself. And I think part of that is doing that with other people who you can gain insights. You're not going to be like everybody else. You don't want to be. You want to be unique, but still you can learn from other people that have gone down a path. That's where I gain my wisdom is never trying to go solo. When I have decisions to make, yeah, I am the decision maker in my world, in my group, but I don't want to do it in a vacuum. I do want to get the insights from other people that I trust. And then I'll take all that. And that's my job to say, okay, this is where we're going to go. And then be decisive, make that decision, go forward. If it's not the right one, it's okay. You can always move, but make decisions. Don't just be stagnant. You've got to constantly be moving in some degree. Don't stay stagnant. And in a direction that gets you to the freedom that you hopefully want. So how can people get a hold of you? Because your work really resonates with me. And I know my listeners are going to want to learn a little bit more about your work. How can they find out more about you? So the book that's out right now, they can go to ownyourfreedombook.com, ownyourfreedombook.com. There's some additional resources there, and that's a good place to start connecting. My major platform website is Freedom Founders freedomfounders.com and more information about what I do with Freedom Founders community. But those are good places to start. I do have a podcast also, Deborah. It's the Dentist Freedom Blueprint Podcast. You do not have to be a dentist to listen to that podcast because I don't talk about clinical dentistry. I'll probably change that podcast someday to maybe own your freedom. But for now, it's Dentist Freedom Blueprint Podcast. But a lot of the same topics that we talked about today in freedom numbers and the business aspects of leading are in that podcast. So that's probably enough to get your listeners started with. All right. Well, I know they are going to check your work out. And for me, for my listeners, more of my resources, drop in ceo.com in my book, The CEO's Compass, Your Guide to Get Back on Track. There are so many synergies, alignment between myself and David. So I trust his work. I think it's amazing. And you should definitely check it out. So David, Thank you so much for being an amazing guest, and I wish you continued success. Thank you, Deborah. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.